again when we start walking out our salvation. And it's an amazing crossing. It's the most, uh, uh, it's the greatest privilege to help someone and to lead them uh, through that crossing. Who believes that? And so crossing number one is so important. But what I think is important to understand as we looked at last week, that uh, in the Old Testament, there is a similar story that represents that crossing. And that is the people of God who were locked up in the bondage and slavery of Egypt had to be delivered. And God raised up a, a leader called Moses to help to take them out of that land of restriction into, the, into, a, into a land more of freedom. But it was called the wilderness. Everyone say Wilderness. And so the people of God made that crossing. But the key is, is that God had more for them. He wanted to bring them out of the land of bondage, but He didn't want to just leave them in that place of the wilderness. He had something more for them. And so they had to make a second crossing. Everyone say second crossing. They had to make the second crossing from the wilderness to the promised land. And so what we've got to understand that, yes, the primary crossing of a Christian's life is salvation. To cross from that place of bondage and sin into the land of freedom. But God still has more beyond salvation. God wants you to know that He wants you to enter the promises of God. And God doesn't want you to be wandering in the wilderness even though you're saved. There are Christians who are saved but wander for the rest of their life in the wilderness and never actually step into the fullness of the promises of God. And so my question last week was, uh, what's, you know, if we look at our life and we look at the different spheres of our life, you can actually ask this very pertinent question. In this era of my life, am I a wilderness Christian or am I entering into the promises of God? Am I just wandering around and around and around and I'm always staying on that same level or am I actually partnering with God to see change in my life so I can glorify Him, so I can come into the fullness of God in that area of my life? And so this was the, the question we were, we were asking. Are you a wilderness Christian or are you a promised land Christian? See, every man and woman of God is destined to have two crossings in their life. And sometimes it's seasonal. See, sometimes there might be areas in your life where you're like, you know what? I'm a promised land Christian. There may be other areas in your life where you're saying, I'm still a wilderness Christian. And it's a great question to ask yourself because it powerfully positions you to self-evaluate, to humble yourself. The beginning of this year, we said this is a season for us to actually establish a stronger dominion mindset, to take new land, to take new territory, to go and pursue the promises of God in our life. But we also learned that a second key to the dominion mindset was to have a humble heart. Who knows it takes humility to take a step back and actually observe your life and really call it out for where it really is. Who knows that that requires humility. And so this was uh, the beginning of, of uh, our, our message and our teaching series over the last two weeks. You know, we looked at all different things, but that was the main anchor point. Okay, who was here last week? Okay, was that the main anchor point? Okay, good. All right. Uh, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't get that message, you didn't, you weren't here. I think we recorded it. Can someone wave at the back? We recorded. It. Yes, we did. Okay. So is that up yet? It is. Okay. All right. I've got the thumbs up. So uh, that's part one. I want to encourage you to listen to that message. Part two. Everyone say part two. Part two. All right. Every person has two crossings. We talked about the first one. What's interesting, probably one other thing I want to remind people who won't, well, I won't remind you because you won't hear, but last week, one other thing that we talked about is this, is that some of the reasons why a lot of Christians 
don't transition from the wilderness to the promised land is because when you study the people of God in Israel who were in that season of transitioning from the wilderness, they'd made the first crossing. People in the wilderness sometimes stay there because in the wilderness, God always miraculously provides. Think about it. See, in the wilderness, God always miraculously provides. Manna fell from heaven every day. Water came from rocks. God did it, God did it, God did it. Sometimes people won't transition from the wilderness to the promised land because when you enter the promised land, God's not always going to do it for you. See, the day the people of God moved out of the wilderness into the promised land, manna stopped falling from heaven. And this is why I, I shared all, uh, intimately and vulnerably last week, I said sometimes the frustration of someone who just desires one of them, my heartbeats is to help people to transition, not just the first crossing. Obviously, the first crossing is vital. It's absolutely important for people to have eternal life. But I've also got a heartbeat to help people to make the second crossing. But what I've realized in being a pastor for seven years, I've had to learn this the hard way, that you can, you can lay out all the principles. You can pray for people. You can coach them. You can, you, can, you can build relationship with them. You can give them all the tools in the world to help them to make the second crossing. And yet, some of them still choose not to make the second crossing. And I've always had to wonder why. And I've realized through studying this, it's because a percentage, not everyone, but there's a percentage of Christians who actually don't want to make the second crossing. Because when you make the second crossing, it means God's not going to do everything for you. You don't stay in the mindset that, oh, I need a new car, so I'm just going to pray for it. No, see, a promised land Christian says, oh, I need a new car, so yeah, I'm going to pray for it. But I'm also going to do some practical things like work hard and save some money and come up with a strategy of how I'm going to actually see, partner with God to see this promise manifest. But see, wilderness Christians, Christians will go, where's your faith, brother? Just pray and believe. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ah. And then the point was, God doesn't get any glory from your life when you're just wearing these well kind of walk tracks in the wilderness, going around and around and around and around. God is not able to take us where He wants us to go unless we become people who are willing to participate in our journey with Him and in going into the promised land. Okay, so everyone say the next bit. Okay, the next bit, part two. All right. So... Uh, with this next bit, when we look at uh, the book of Numbers and we look at the book of Joshua and, and previously we look at the book of Exodus, we understand these principles. And, uh, and so this next bit, building on from part one, is they reach the edge of the promised land. And uh, they reach the banks of the Jordan one year after leaving Egypt. But who knows, it took a long time for them to make the transition. So they actually reached the place of crossing only one year after leaving Egypt. And yet, who knows that they were in the wilderness for? 40 years. So they're at the place of breakthrough only a year after leaving Egypt. But it took a lot longer for them to actually transition over. And it mainly came down to mindset. So let's have a look at this. 
How do we make our home? This is this part two. How do we make our home in the promises of God? How do we actually desire to want to step into the promises of God? How do we make our home in the promises of God? The Bible tells us that 12 spies were sent to survey the land. So they're at this place of entering in, but they sent 12 spies in. And can I say this to you? These 12 spies were not losers and they weren't dropkicks. They were the best of the bunch. By this point in time, the Bible tells us that the the nation of Israel was 3 million people. Everyone say 3 million. So they had a nation of 3 million people and each tribe, each tribe chose one. It was kind of like, you know, some kind of like the voice or whatever, but it was to do with, you know, out of each tribe, who was going to be the best kind of, you know, who's the, the, the best warrior to go into the land and spy it out and bring back a report. So each tribe chose one. And they went over into the promised land and they came back and they gave a report. The Bible tells us that when they came back and gave a report on what they had seen, that these 10 out of 12 spies had stepped over into the promised land and they ate the food that was there. They enjoyed the produce that was there. In fact, they bought back a bunch of grapes so big, it took two of these spies to carry the bunch of grapes. Now, I'm not the biggest and strongest man in the world. Everyone say amen to that. You said that without any hesitation. (laughs) But I can carry a bunch of grapes with my little pinky finger. Oh, yeah. Right? These bunch of grapes from from the promised land were so big that it took two of these uh, 12 who were chosen from their tribe to be the biggest and the burliest and the bravest of the bunch. It took two of them to carry this bunch of grapes on. And there was a pole in between the two men, the Bible tells us. There was a pole carrying these bunch of grapes and these two men were carrying the bunch of grapes from the promised land back to that place where they were sitting on the border. I mean, it was a massive bunch of grapes. Right? So here we have two guys who would have been like front rowers of the All Blacks. And they're carrying a bunch of grapes on a pole between two of them because it weighs so much. And they come back from having eaten this food. And after having seen all these opportunities and witnessed what God had for them in the promised land, the Bible says they came back and this is what they As members of the 10, this is what the 10 out of the 12 said about the promised land. We went over and we explored the land. The land we explored was good. But, everyone say but. See, this was the pivot in their report to the question that was asked. The question was asked, so what was the land like? What was it like? Can we we go, go in there? Give us a report. And so we went, yeah, we, we, yeah, it was good, it was good. But now if you've done any media study, all right, if ever anyone here wants to go into politics or you want to be someone who's going to be interviewed a lot by the media and you have to do media studies on how to respond to journalists so they don't trap you with their questions, okay? Media studies teach you that you acknowledge the question, but then you pivot your answer to say whatever you've been planning to say anyway. Ever notice politicians don't quite answer the question usually? There's, there's reason for that. They've studied how to pivot the question. Everyone say pivot. And that's exactly what these spies do. They give lip service 
to why they were sent there. They tell us what the land is like. They tell us what the people are like. They acknowledge the premise of the question. And then they pivot and they start to go, but, 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 They would have said something like, the cities there are large. You know, like the voiceover of a movie? Get ready for the biggest epic movie of all time. It's going to blow your mind, literally. The cities there are large. The people there are huge. There are descendants of Anak there, and then it gets worse. The land literally opens up underneath people and swallows them whole. They even reported that they, that they saw uh, Nephilim there. And that's kind of like saying, you know, if anyone here has watched, you know, The Lord of the Rings, there's a characters that are really yucky and evil called the Orcs. It's kind of like saying there are Orcs in the land. So they're going crazy giving this negative report, this negative picture about the environment that, that they were in. Now listen, these 10... Guys giving this negative report are huge. They're massive. They're big. They are the bravest, boldest men of their tribes. They're the best warriors that Israel has to offer. They are the pick of the bunch. And they have said, my friends, it's too big for us. Now, if that doesn't put just a little bit of fear into you, good fear... in terms of analyzing how we respond. Because, get this, the people of God are literally riding a wave of momentum. Okay? They're riding a wave of momentum. Israel is riding a wave. They began with Abraham. And then we know last week we, we went through the whole thing. And then um, they're in, in, they've been delivered out of slavery. They're now, you know, God's doing all these miracles. There's all these signs that God is for them and, and, and provides for them. And, and, it, and it's, it's, you know, their, their nation has multiplied. And <clears throat> it's a moment where God wants to break through for them. But it's interesting to see how they respond. The Bible says that when the ten come back, they share such a rapport that all of the nation of Israel go, oh, like, oh, my goodness, we should not go in. We should not do this. Where is God? We can't do this. This is going to be too full on. They're too big for us. They picture themselves as unable to take the promised land. They are thinking that this moment is where our, end, our lives are going to end. This is, this, is what, this is how they're responding to the report. Watch this. When they went into the promised land, these 10 of the 12, they saw the promised land. They saw all the benefits of it, but they pretty much had this response. We feel out of place. It's too big for us. It's too full on for us. We don't belong there. They fell out of place. They were discouraged. They were despondent. They turned back. And they thought, this is not the way for us to go. Literally, the next thing that happens is that the nation of Israel begins to weep. This is the response to the negative report. 
the nation begins to, to weep. So not only is it negativity, but then the negativity then leads to depression. It leads to sorrow. It leads to an overwhelming sense of defeat. How many times in this house have we preached, watch what you speak? Because then it goes into your ear, your ear, it sets a mindset that actually then positions your heart and then you start to have these overwhelming emotions of defeat. But the next thing that begins to happen after the negative report is that the people begin to weep. And this is on the eve of their greatest day of victory. See, there is no way that your marriage is going to improve if you keep saying the challenges are too big. There is no way that you're going to fulfill your destiny if you're looking at what's ahead of you and saying, I'm going to die. This is overwhelming. It's too full on. You have to find a place. We have to find a place inside all of us that is different to that. Who believes that? I want everyone to stand in this place. Let's just come into a time of prayer. Just lift your hands or position yourself however you need to be. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere of this place. I thank you, Lord, that this message unapologetically is designed to shake people in a good way. To shake where they're at spiritually. Father, I pray, Lord that there be no restriction of that spiritual shaking in this house. Father, I thank you, Lord, that sometimes for new fruit to come, old fruit has to drop off. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that your hand of favor and blessing, but your hand of love, your, your hand of perseverance and pursuit of us is grabbing a hold of our lives spiritually and just starting to shake in a good way, in a positive way. Lord, that you're spiritually shaking this house. So Lord, that old dead fruit is falling off so that new things can come. Father, just shake us to a, to a place, Lord, where it's going to birth new things. Father, I thank you, Lord, that this dominion mindset, that the promised land mindset, Lord, is going to become the new normal. Father, Lord, that the, 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 the wilderness mindset is going to become the old thing. And Father, we thank you that old things are passing away and new things are coming. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that as you're shaking our spiritual tree, I'm just hearing the Lord say, don't, left, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Don't look around you. Don't look at how people are responding right now. God says, this is about you. Take responsibility for you. Don't look at how is someone responding to how Pastor Brad's praying. Come on now. Let's close our eyes and focus on ourselves. I hear God say, do not allow distraction to prevent you from receiving this word. I hear God say that it's like I'm sitting down having a coffee one-on-one with you. Forget who's sitting next to you. Allow this word to penetrate your life. I hear God say, stop comparing yourself. Stop comparing yourself. I'm even hearing God say to some people, stop competing with other people. It's hindering you, says God. It's holding you back. It's making and causing you to be double-minded most days of the week. You got one foot forward, two steps back. God says, stop it. I'm shaking you this morning. I'm shaking you over this series. Because ultimately, I want you to enter in. God says, if you feel like you've been hemmed in recently, 
God says it's because I'm helming you in. I'm, I'm restricting you because I want to put a distinction upon you. I'm not going to let you go too far forward if you're not ready. But God says, trust me. Lord, I break off. I break off that spirit of comparison. I hear the Lord say, stay in your lane. If someone's running ahead of you, don't get distracted and focus on how far ahead of you they're running. Focus on your lane. Because there'll be hurdles in front of you and God says, stay focused so you have the capacity and the victory to jump over that hurdle and keep the momentum. Lord, shake off. I'm just seeing in the spiritual realm right now, even as I'm just bringing this word of knowledge, that God is just, he's just shaking in a great way. Not in a violent way, not in a horrible way, but he's just shaking some things. And there are things just falling off. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are realigning us. Lord, you're like the master spiritual chiropractor who's just cracking some things. And I thank you, Lord, it's all through the spirit of love. I thank you, God, that you're doing this because you love us. You're just helping us, Lord, to come back into alignment, Lord, so we can run this race the best way we can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Take a seat. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. Everyone turn to the person next to you and say, I needed that. Oh, I needed that. <laughs> I needed that. But you and I have to find a place, we have to find a place inside of us that is different to those 10. You see, it's, it's very easy for us to throw those 10 under the bus. You think about those 10 spies, it's easy for us to go, oh, you know, they just didn't have the right spirit. Those dummies. You know, I'm glad I'm not like that. But I reckon that most often, if we're really honest, we're more akin to the 10 than we are to the 2. Everyone say humility. Have you ever been, have you, I mean, let's think about this. These are, the, these are the, the best of the bunch. Have you ever faced opposing armies before? I mean, maybe some of you have. <laughs> uh, I haven't. But maybe uh, you've been in a situation when you number... Your, the number of your talents or your skills, your experiences is being outnumbered by the people you're coming up against. I mean, this is what the case is here. But these two out of the 12 that we're going to talk about in a second, they found an inner resolve that God is for them. This is one thing that I said last week, and I, wanna, I want to repeat this on purpose. I'm going to bring this again, part three. And that says, there are key moments in life that require us to break from old ways of thinking and step into a new normal. Leaving the comfortable, well-trodden tracks of the wilderness 
so that we can enter the, the promises of God. God calls us to be promise possessors, not wilderness warriors. Sorry, not warriors, wanderers. So what God was asking them to do, so that we don't just throw the tent under the bus, was fairly significant. And what God is asking you and I to do is fairly significant. It's to step into the promises that he has for us. It's going to take boldness. It's going to take bravery. Are you up for it? Because it's going to have to take a new normal of you. You're going to have to establish a new normal within you. And that's the right mindset. Who here believes that God's got something better for you? Lift your hand here if you believe that. Good, because that's what it starts with. You've got to believe it first, right? If you believe that God has something better for you, let's just take a moment, just to pause, and I just want you to praise God. What do I mean by that? Do we have to get the worship up? No, I just want to praise God. Just in your seat, just praise Him. Now, come on. If you believe that God has something better for you, come on now, I'm, I'm shaking the tree again. See, if you really believe, come on now, if you really believe that God has something better for you, then you can praise God because you believe it. Now, let, 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 me, let me share this with you. See, the hesitation that we saw three seconds ago is what I call by bridging the gap. See, there's a result. There's a promise that God wants to take you into. But it, there's something different to your current reality. And that's okay. It's called a gap. And then when you identify what are the roadblocks that are stopping me, it stretches that gap sometimes. It makes us feel more uncomfortable. But can I tell you this? To bridge the gap, one of the keys to bridge the gap, to enter into the promises in comparison to your current reality, is you've got to start to really believe that is for me. And I'm excited about it even though I'm not there yet. And that's why I'm challenging. You see, if there's a hesitation to praise God for the good things that you believe in that God's going to bring you into, then my question to you is, how strong is the revelation of the thing that God's going to bring you into? See, it's your responsibility to become familiar with the promises of God that God has for you. It's your responsibility to get really close in your heart to what God has for you. The more you spend time with God, the more you hang out with God, we know that the biggest thing that God does when, he, when you spend time with Him in a fresh way is He, in a fresh way, speaks about what He has for you next. And you have to get excited about that before it's happening. Excited. <laughs> So the 10 look at what God's got, and inside they feel defeat. The 10 look at the opportunities of God, and they think there's only failure. The 10 look at what is ahead, and on the inside they are discouraged and despondent and down. See, the 10 look at the promises, and then when they compare it to their reality, they don't praise God. They go, it's not for us. It's too big. It's too full on. I can't do it. 
one happened. <sighs> the Bible says the next day all ten die. Boom, boom, shake the room. See, you and I will spiritually die when we do that, but the good news is the grace of God is there to pick us up every time we make that mistake. But in the Old Testament, the example is those people don't survive the next day. Like, listen, God's saying it becomes spiritual death on the inside when you're in your current present and you look at the promise and you go, it's too big, it's too much, I can't do it, God isn't really for me. It becomes like spiritual death on the inside. It requires a different spirit that we're going to look at, a different mindset, a different way to perceive the promise of God. It requires a different spirit to be a promised land Christian than to remain a wilderness wanderer. Can I tell you, all of you are up for it. All of you are up for it. All of you can establish the spirit that's required that was on Caleb. The Bible tells us that walking in the promised land and, and viewing out, there was only two that gave the positive report out of the ten. Joshua and Caleb. They were the minority. Everyone say minority. I believe God wants you and I to become part of the minority. but part of a growing minority, part of a new normal. A normal where Christians are making their second crossing into the promises of God. See, the first crossing of salvation is narrow. It's a narrow crossing. The path into eternal life is through Jesus, the only way, the truth, and the life. It's a narrow bridge. It's a narrow doorway. It's a narrow crossing, the Bible says. Who knows that? But I believe the second crossing is a broad crossing. Because once people make that first crossing, God calls every single one that's saved into the promises of God. Do you believe that, Chloe? I believe that. I'm glad we're aligned. Amen, sister, right? So the first crossing is narrow. God says that not everyone's going to make that crossing. Some people will reject Christ. Some people will reject the gospel, even when it's laid out clearly before them. Some people will reject it. Doesn't mean we don't we don't we we stop or give up preaching it. We keep preaching it. We keep getting it out there. We keep sending out the gospel into the, the different regions of the earth. That's that's a part of our calling to help people to make the first crossing. But the Bible says that that crossing, that bridge, is narrow. Because there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one way to the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. It's a narrow place. People have to, you know, when, when you've got a lot of baggage, right? Now, don't get me wrong. You can come through that with baggage. But sometimes for you to go through the doorway of salvation, you've got to drop some things off to give your heart to Christ. You don't have to drop everything off because God says, come as you are. But it's narrow because there's some things, in order for you to say yes to Christ, you have to say no to this. And so it becomes narrow because I can't take all my baggage through. Good news is I can take some of it through because then God cuts it off when I get through. He says, come as you are. Who believes that? But we know there are some people on planet Earth who don't make that first crossing because they're not willing to let go of the things because they probably haven't really got, for whatever reason, the full revelation of what Jesus has for them and who He is. 
But can I declare before you the second crossing is broad. It's for every one of you. It's for every single one of you. I don't believe God wants to put any restriction on the second crossing. But it takes a partnership with God. It takes you no longer wanting to just worship a God that provides every single provision for you by himself. It means you have to step up and you have to partner with God and you have to take responsibility. Because as soon as they crossed over, the manna stopped falling. See, there's nothing wrong with miraculous provision. I believe in the miracles of God. I'm always still expecting them. But if I'm always just relying on God to do everything for me, I'm a wilderness Christian. So the second crossing is broad. And I want to prophetically say this to you with hope, without hopefully getting too emotional. Everyone say, uh-oh. It's going to be one of those moments. But I want to share something with you prophetically that I haven't even realized. This morning, as I was praying over this message. See, last Sunday, I preached a real point. There was a point of real raw passion. And I shared vulnerably. I said, there's something about, you know, one of the books that I'm always been most attracted to is Joshua. Where is young Joshua? Is he here? Josh. Oh, you're at the desk. Hey, brother. You know, every time I prophesy you, it's got something to do with you going into the next thing. Have you noticed that? Well, that's on your life because you're called Joshua. But Joshua was a man who took the people of God from the wilderness into the promised land. He had that call on his life. There's something about the book of Joshua that I, I just always get on fire for. It just, it does it for me. And God said to me this morning, as I preached this, this word, I heard God say that, yes, the first crossing is important, but one of the keys to making the second crossing is you've got to understand that to make the second crossing, you have to be discipled. You have to be in partnership, in community. I think a big key to making the second crossing is you have to be around people who are also making the crossing. Come on, Joshua took the people of God. You've got to get in a community of people, a tribe of people that are kind of on board, flowing with a particular direction. And I think being planted in the house of God, being in a local church community is a big key to actually making the second crossing. Because a lot of the people, don't get me wrong, I love them in Christ, but a lot of the people that I see that are church hoppers who, who have this weird philosophy, I don't need the church, I've already got Jesus, just don't get it. That there's not just one crossing. That you're destined not just to walk with people in life and do life with people so you cross over again together. But you're also called not just to cross over yourself, but you're called to help others to cross over with you. It's not all about you and Jesus. Hanging out, listening to the latest Bethel CD, sitting tea, sipping your tea on Sunday, going, I don't need the church because I just got my Jesus. Well, you sit there and you just keep enjoying your, your first crossing, which is great, the crossing of salvation, but that ain't all that God has in the plan of the body of Christ. It's not just about you and Jesus. It's just about Jesus being glorified in you because you step out of the wilderness and you start to move with a group of people who've got the mindset like Joshua, the spirit of Caleb, to go into the promises. And you're also being led and mentored and helped by others. And you're also mentoring and helping others with you. Anyway, that wasn't the emotional part. <laughs> so God said to me this morning, Brad, I've called you to this. I said, what? 
Give your man. Yeah, I know. I said that last week, you know. You know, I feel we feel such a mandate to help people, not just to make the first crossing. And I shared sometimes I think some people haven't really got our church before. Because such a heartbeat of who I am is beyond the first crossing. I'm so into helping people to make the second crossing. And that requires leadership that sometimes is challenging. Because to get people out of the wilderness into the promised land, you've got to get them to make their new normal. You've got to change their mindset. If they've got a mindset that God's just there to provide everything for them and He's just there to always let manna fall, they're not realizing that God's never going to come to the level of glory in their life because they're always wanting God to be a manna God. But if they rise up and they take, they partner with God to step into the promises, then God actually comes in the fullness of glory in their life because the promises of God are manifesting in their life. Doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but God is a God of progress. Come on now. From level to level, glory to glory. And anyway, that's still not the emotional part. So God says, no, Brad, you're not listening to me this morning. There's a reason why you're so into the book of Joshua. Because I've called you to it. God said to me in a fresh way, and I'm not saying this to big note myself, I'm just revealing a very intimate moment I have with the Lord. God said, you're like Joshua because I've called you to it. I've called you like Joshua. And I'm just like, God, I'm not getting that. And then he said this so loudly. He said, Bradford, 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 I've called you. Do you know what my name means? Bradford. Bradford is the part of the river that you cross because it's the safest. When you are traveling, and it comes from old time England, when you are crossing over a river, the part that you cross, because it's the least treacherous, it's got the least least restrictions, is the Bradford, watch this, Ford means the part of the river you cross, the Ford is the safest part, Brad means broad, broad crossing, that's what my name means, my mom was inspired by God to call me Bradford, who knows biblically that God's into whatever you're called, you will become, I'm called to help people to cross safely, This house has an anointing on it to help people to cross safely from the wilderness into the promised land. So you may sometimes experience a little bit of challenge here, but God says it's in a safe place. And I even hear God saying that he's realigning like a chiropractor some mindsets about your place in this house. God says, even though you don't always get everything, even though you don't necessarily like everything, God says it's anointing on this place to be a safe place to cross over the second crossing. It's a place for people to make the first crossing. But there's more, says God, there's an anointing here to help people to cross over to the second crossing. There's an anointing on this house to help people to go into the promises of God. I won't let you know right now, but we've got a testimony coming where there's a couple right now been believing for a home. And God, you know, has, has, has showed a miracle. But yet, can I tell you, I know that the miracle hasn't come from, um, from them expressing being a wilderness Christian. I know that the miracle has come through because they've been praying, they've been seeking, they've been strategizing, they've been writing down their goals, and things have just happened when it comes to a new home. We've got another couple right now that for years have believed. 
that they were going to own a home and they've, they've been frustrated, they've struggled. And right now they've got a whole blueprint. They've gone from one part to the next part to the next part. It's been tough. It's been warfare. It's been fighting. It's been, you know, in a good way, fighting spiritually. It's like this setback. No, we're going to push you. We're going to keep believing. And bit by bit, the walls are coming down and they're entering in. They're just the place before breakthrough. And can I tell you that it's not all about houses. I'm just using that as I'm saying, though, when there's a dream and there's a promise for someone's family on the inside, and they've had such a wilderness time and to see people transition and to cross over, it is one of the most rewarding things as a pastor to see. Can I tell you, it's just like, yes, to see a sheep transition into a place where there's this just joy. And it doesn't, it's not just what's manifested around them, but it's what's manifested in them to get to that place. So Bradford means a broad crossing. And I feel like God's saying, this is a safe place to learn how to cross over, church. And I believe being planted in the house of God is a key to crossing over. Being a disciple positioning yourself to be discipled is a key to crossing over and i believe that one of our key mandates is to enable people to make both crossings let's just pray i haven't quite finished my word yet but i just got to pray into this lord i thank you god thank you lord you're a god of healing You're a God of restoration. And you're a God of reconciliation. And Lord, even though I know that where our community, our church is at, it's at such a great place. But even though I know it's at a great place, Lord, I know that the privacy of the human heart can sometimes still be tender and can be sometimes vulnerable. So, Lord, I, I thank you, God, that wherever anyone in this place or any, even any of our community members that aren't here on the holidays, Lord, anyone that needs encouragement to stay connected, Father, pour into the heart right now with a revelation that, God, we're in this together for specific reasons. Lord, we're not called to stay in the wilderness, but we're called to enter in to what you have for us corporately, but also individually for families. Father, I pray, I pray, Lord, for a fresh blessing and a fresh release over the families of this house. Lord, for marriages, for the dynamic of households. Lord, I pray where there's been times of desperation and frustration. Lord, I pray for a shift. Lord, I pray for a new lease of joy. Lord, a new lease of vision and direction. Lord, a sense of purpose. Lord, that even sometimes the pain has its purpose. And Lord, we're called to hang on, to hold on, to keep looking to you, to pray our way through, and to know, God, that what you're doing in us is going to establish us and position us for what you want to do for us. 
In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Is everyone okay? Is everyone getting something this morning? I believe God wants you and I not to have a spirit that is going to recoil at the opportunities of the promises of God. Recoil is like, oh, this is too full on. This is going to be too hard. Recoil. That's not the spirit that God's calling you and I to walk in. Come on now. But to have a spirit with boldness and courage and to inherit everything that God has for us, I believe that's the spirit that God wants us to walk in. Who believes that? So 10 spies gave their report and they didn't last the next day. They died the very next day. Yet two spies, Joshua and Caleb, the Bible tells us about that they not only did they live long enough to enter the promised land, but get this, that when Caleb is, eight, once they've entered the promised land, Caleb rocks up to Joshua at 80 years of age and he says to Joshua, I'm just as vigorous and full of energy now as I was then. Now, Barb's not here today. She's with a Greg and Julian ministering in another church in Brisbane. But she's like that. I'm like, my goodness, you're getting younger every day I see you. What is going on with you, woman? You're like the energizer bunny. You just keep going and going. Bless you, Barb. See, there's a difference in your body and your soul when you have a Caleb spirit. When you have a promise-possessing spirit on the inside of you. There's something different even in your body and your soul. When you are living with God's promises alive on the inside of you. They may not necessarily be manifest all around you, but when they're living on the inside of you, you walk differently, you live differently. I don't want to be part of that vocal majority. Oh, this is too hard. <laughs> I don't want to be part of that. Do we have moments where we minister to people who are in that season? Yes. We have spiritual tranquilizers. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was a joke. But I want to be part of the minority, but I want the minority to grow. I'm going to ask Jason to come. The Bible tells us, and let's us read, we're going to read Numbers chapter 13, verse 13. It says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, we should go up and take possession of this land. We certainly will do it. That was his report. That was his minority report. That's how he stood out. We should go up and take possession of this land. We can certainly do it. Numbers 14, 20 the Lord replies, I have forgiven them, speaking about the crowd that uh, Caleb was talking about, as you asked, because he knew that they weren't in faith. And then God says this. Nevertheless, so God says, I forgive the people who gave the majority report. I give the people who looked at my promises and were consistently negative. I forgive them, says God. Now, this is, new, this is Old Testament. We know that all grace abounds freely without any restriction in Christ Jesus. So, if you've been continuously negative, it's not like your life's going to end tomorrow. 
It's not like God's going to forgive you, but then banish you from the promises forever. We're in New Testament living. The grace of Jesus Christ will always abound towards you forever. God's love is always and forever going to be an endless pursuit towards you as you live on earth. But as we know, in terms of making a decision for eternity, you have to take responsibility for that decision. And the same is true in making a decision to have the right mindset and the right spirit in terms of being a promised land Christian. You have to take responsibility. So I think even if when we're in seasons of feeling defeated, there's always the grace of Jesus to help us to then, you know, repent and say, God, I'm sorry, I've had the wrong, I've had the wrong heart. I've had the wrong spirit. I've, I've had the wrong thinking and mindset about my walk with you. And yes, God, you've saved me, but God, I've restricted you and I've put you in a box thinking that you're just a manna providing God and you're just going to do everything for me. And, and I haven't really stepped up into the fullness of my identity in Christ. I haven't really had the right relationship with your word and I haven't taken a hold of it like you've asked me to and to get it into my heart, to get it into my spirit with faith so I can speak it out like it's a weapon of warfare so I can create my world and I can map out and, and I'm going to spend time. with God, I haven't spent time with you to keep the promises of God familiar in my heart so that I have that heart to pursue and to chase after everything. God, I'm sorry. See, God's forgiveness is endless. And if you want it, He will forgive you and He'll reach out and He'll say, now step up, pick up your mat. I have healed you. I have done the work of salvation within you. Now, everyone say now. Now respond. Pick up your mat and walk forward. Not walking around and around in the wilderness, but walk forward. And so we know that that's the endless grace of Christ. But if we look at the New Testament, to look at just how serious God was before the beautiful breakthrough of Jesus giving us this endless grace. That God said, nevertheless, as surely, even though I forgive those men who gave the majority report, who gave the negative report, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men that saw my glory, catch this now, not one of the men that was so into the manna falling, not one of the men that saw my glory in Egypt, not one of the men that saw the Red Sea part, not one of the men that saw all the miracles take place, not one of them will enter the promised land. Everyone say consequences. So in the Old Testament before Christ, there was consequences to how you treated the promised land. The consequences is you didn't get to enter in. Thank God we're in the New Testament. Come on now, just thank God for Jesus. Because if I look at my life, I, and I was an Old Testament man of God, I'd be in the wilderness. I'd be stuck in the wilderness by now because I would have many a times not nurtured the promises of God in my heart well enough. But thank God for Jesus. So today, you and I can have a fresh start in how we hold on to the promises of God and we pursue them. God goes on and says, 
But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him in. The Bible is literally saying that there is a difference between the minority and the majority. Between the ten and the two. The ten that dies the next day and the two that were still full of vision, faith and expectation, four decades later. So what's God saying as we close part two? God is saying, if you want to walk in the fullness of what he's got for you, the change has to be in you that will set you apart from the majority. It's a spiritual difference, church. Something has got to be different on the inside of us. If you're going to walk in the new normal, you have to understand you and I are called to walk with the Caleb spirit. If our lives are going to change, then something has to change in the spirit of who we are. A different spirit. See, just to finish off with this last revelation. In the Hebrew, when it refers to in numbers, the Caleb spirit. That word in the Hebrew is A-C-H-E-R. Aka. Or some people pronounce it Aka. And Akar, the word spirit, Caleb's spirit, the spirit that set apart the minority, the spirit that helped the people of God in the Old Testament enter into the promised God, the spirit on them, the attitude, the mindset, that thing, that point of difference, that distinction upon them, the number one reason why they were promised land people of God, not wilderness people. That spirit, Akar, means next or following it means next or following the following or the next it's the spirit of the next it's the spirit of what's following it's the spirit of the future it's the spirit of tomorrow it's the spirit of the next thing the next thing the thing that's following from today I want to share this with you. You will always end up living where your spirit calls home. You will always end up living where your spirit calls home. To have a Caleb spirit, your spirit says, My home is in the future. Come on, church. Who's going to catch this right at the end of part two? To have a Caleb spirit. You want to settle. You want to get comfortable in the promises. You want to settle. You want to get comfortable. You want to feel familiar. You want to be at home in the promised land. You want to feel familiar. You want to get comfortable. You want to start relaxing in the next thing, the thing that's following on. You want to be a person of promise. You don't want to feel familiar in your past. You don't want to feel familiar in your present. You want to feel familiar in your promises. You want to be someone who's on to the next thing, the following thing. Not yesterday, not now. No, I'm going in tomorrow. That's the spirit of Caleb. That's the spirit that takes God's territory 
for their family. For their family. generational spirit see when you think about your past I think there's a natural thing in our human nature to be defined from where we came from to be labeled and boxed in from where we came from See, in all of our past, there is pain. No one here will be able to eyeball me and say that there is no pain in your past. Everyone has pain in their past. Everyone has problems in their present. There's no one here. There's no one that would be exempt from having problems right now in their present. But the spirit of Caleb isn't a spirit that focuses on the pain of the past. It's not defined by the pain of the past. It's not a spirit that spends the majority of time thinking about the problems of the present. It's a spirit that says, my God's called me to possess the promises. And that spirit, that spirit is what you and I are called to live with. Everyone close your eyes. Holy Spirit, Help us. Help us. Help us, God. Help us, God. We cry out. We cry out to you, Jesus. We cry out to you, Jesus, to help us. Lord, in this place, do a work. Unlock. Unlock, unlock, God, people's future. Unlock it, Lord. Lord, let your word today be a key that's unlocking. It's unlocking things right now. Lord, those things that have been locked up, Lord, those dreams. 
Lord, those hopes. Lord, that faith. Lord, those goals. Lord, that, that vision. Lord, that wonder and amazement of a sense of destiny, your call. Lord, the next thing. Lord, the following thing. Lord, unlock the next. Unlock the next. Unlock the next thing in our heart. Lord, no longer will it be hindered and hemmed in for fear of it not coming to pass. Lord, unlock the things that need to be unlocked. Lord, unlock the secrets. Lord, unlock the mysteries. Lord, unlock the spiritual things right now that need to be unlocked. Lord, unlock. You are the God who can unlock. You are the God who can unlock. You are the God who can unlock and who can release and who can release and who can open up the inside of people. So God, move right now. Lord, I pray. Lord, like this morning before the word was released, Lord, let there be no restriction. Let there be no limitation. Let there be no hindrance. Lord, unlock the spirit of Caleb. Lord, unlock it. Lord, unlock it. Lord, unlock it. Unlock, 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 unlock that spirit right now. Unlock it, Lord. Let that dominion mindset rule and reign inside of us. Let the lions and lioness of Judah rise up. Let the Spirit of God have no restriction within us. Let the undefeatable, that curse-conquering, undefeatable Spirit of God, let it be unlocked on the inside. Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone here, if you pray in tongues, to start praying in tongues. If you don't, that's okay. Just pray in English with faith. Lord, you're unlocking something here this morning. Lord, you're changing spirits. And as we pray, I'm going to do some prophetic whatever activation. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Lord, you're unlocking something here this morning. Lord, you're stirring and you're shaking. Lord, you're sifting and you're sorting. As we're praying, Pastor Dallas, this is for you. So you can record your own prophetic word if you want. <laughs> Dallas does a great job recording messages. Just be in that prayer zone. As we just release some prophetic words this morning, stay in that place. We're ready to go. I hear the Lord wants to release <clears throat> a simple encouragement to you, but one that I think will have an atomic 
bomb positive effect. Hear God saying, Daughter, give yourself permission to go for it. As I'm just looking over your life, I see God like with a torchlight. It's like He's taking me out the back of a home and it's nighttime. And he's like taking me to the back garden and I can see a shed. And in the shed are all these trophies. And it's like these trophies of when you're a little girl. And I don't know if this is obviously go with it if it's an analogy. But I see the trophies were like competitions that you won. Like dancing competitions and drama competitions as a little girl. But I saw all of these trophies with lots of dust all over them. And there was a sheet covering them. And they're in a shed that's got no light, that's been put, it's got a padlock on its doors, and no one goes there. And I see God saying that there's a part of your heart that's like that shed. And God's saying that the trophies represent just things of the future. That you once hoped for or you once longed for. And it took like a little girl like faith because of all the things that you've experienced in your world in the past. When you came to Christ and you made the first crossing, it took a little girl like faith. And I hear God say that when you gave your life to me, I instill within you a courage to unlock that back shed and to bring the trophies out and to dust them off and to put them on top of your kitchen shelf spiritually. And as you're cooking, which represents doing life, it was like you were looking to that next thing, that kind of prize that you were going for. But I hear God say that it was a season or seasons that came that convinced you that for some of those trophies, not all, but for some, And you know what they are. That it was too draining in the busyness of life to keep focusing. And that it would be better if you once again took some of them and put them back in the shed and put the lock back on. God says, give yourself permission to unlock the shed again. God says, I need you to unlock the shed. Because God said, I didn't put on that second lock. You did. And God says, as you give yourself permission to unlock it, that's all I need, says God. That's all I need from you, daughter. And it will be a key that will help you to possess the next thing. Lord, pour in your Father's love. Pour it in, God. Let her know in a new way. She knows, but let her know in a new way. 
how much you love her. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Nate, brother Nate, my brother, how are you? Nate, can I just let you know I love you? You're just an amazing guy. Let's put our hands towards Nate. You hear the Lord say, son, I want you to take this word like it's a baton in the 4 by 400 meter Olympic men's relay race. And I hear God say, son, I want it to be solidly held in your hand. This revelation that you are called to have a Caleb spirit and that I am calling you, says God, into your promises. God says, I want you to hold on to it strong and not let it go. Because God says, as you get a grasp of that revelation of the Caleb spirit, God says, as you start to walk and then run with the spirit, the ease of which to break through into the promises will not be perfect, but it will be less hindered. Because God says, sometimes the hindrance I need to make it tough for you, so you have to still call out to me, so I can actually break within you the things that need to be broken into, so I can raise you up and establish greater strength and courage for the future, says God. So we'll not always be without hindrance, but God says, as you grab a hold of this relay baton, the, the spirit of Caleb on the inside of it, if you grab a firm of it, as the revelation becomes firmly something you hold on to, God says you'll be able to run like you've never been able to run before. And I hear God say this, there are three other runners in the 4 by 400 And the 400 meters represents a full circle of the Olympic track. The Olympics represents a place where prizes are to be won and where glory will be bestowed upon people who've trained hard and disciplined themselves for greatness. God says, all of this word is about you. And God says, the 400 meters represents a full lap, which means I'm coming and I'm bringing you into the fullness, not the percentage, not the part part, not the maybe, but the yes and amen to your promises. You're coming into the fullness. You're going to do a full run. And God says the three other runners with you represent the family that I'm going to gift you with. God says, I have your wife already chosen. You don't know her yet. But God says, she is amazing. And God says, you're going to have children. And I'm not saying this prophetic words means you're just going to have two children. I'm not going to go there because God's not telling me that. But I'm just saying the three other people represent your family. You might have more than Two children, you might have less. Who knows? God knows that. You know that. Well, you know it in faith. Amen. But I'm hearing God says, you're, gonna, you're going to, to learn to lead your family in this season, even though you don't know them yet, your immediate family that you're going to come into. And I hear God say this, that your 4 by 400 meter team, your family, is going to be a gold medal winning team. Your family... Not just you, but your family, your wife, your children, your children's children, your children's children's children. Going to be a gold-winning family. So God says, run the race before you. Shake off any of the shackles right now. Shake them off, says God. Shake them off on your heart. Shake off those doubts. Shake off those fears. Shake off those hindrances that just lately have been trying to come about again and lay, lay themselves around your feet. God says, I'm breaking them off today. God says, run the race with the Caleb spirit before you. Thank you, Lord. It's going to prophesy one more. Is everyone hanging okay with me? Let's stay in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, God. This young man here, is it Joel? 
Brother Joel, I actually haven't officially met you. I've said g'day to you a couple times. How are you, Joel? Good on you. Let's put our hands towards Joel. Thank you, Lord, for Joel. Now, as I just look over your life as I'm bringing this word, I hear God saying that, like in the book of Joel, that prophetic word of the Spirit of God pouring out, that prophetic word it then manifested in the book of Acts and continues to manifest. And hearing God say that Joel is like a connector between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that you were labeled Joel, that's your name. And I'm hearing God say that he's already started, but he's going to continue to birth within you a powerful balance and a combination of wisdom that the Old Testament represents, like the book of Proverbs, but with the new, fresh, life-giving love of Jesus of the New Testament. And I'm hearing God say that balance, that there's something about balance within you that already resonates in your heart. It's something that you're attracted to, but I hear God say that He's going to raise you up as an example of being a balanced kingdom person where he's going to call you to be attuned to the Spirit and to be in partnership with Holy Spirit, to spend time with Holy Spirit, to move with the Holy Spirit, to pray, to heal, to bring words of encouragement, words of knowledge, to sense and discern things. God says, I'm calling you and I'm releasing you into a new place of moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But God says, I'm also putting and strengthening a mantle of wisdom upon you. That where there is zeal but no wisdom comes chaos. And God says, you already know that. You've seen that at times. But where there's so much wisdom but no fire, lives don't change. So God says, I want you to run. And I want you to feed off the word. But you're a man of balance. I'm hearing God say this. That with this balance, it's going to be a key that's going to enable you to lead in two realms for his kingdom. God says, I am bestowing upon you a kingly anointing, but also a priestly anointing. And God says, with the kingly anointing, I'm going to call you to rule and reign in the marketplace. And with a priestly anointing, I'm going to call you to be an influence and a communicator in ministry. But God says, even more importantly, above these two anointings, is God says, I'm going to call you to be an amazing leader in your home. And God says, even though you're going to have success and influence in these two areas, God says, your first example is going to be how much you love your family. So Father, I thank you, Lord, He's a man of balance. Lord, activate the giftings and the callings on his life. But Lord, more importantly, continue to sow in and solidify his character. Because it's that character and it's that balance, Lord, that's going to sustain him. I just hear God say, son, well done. Keep the eyes on the prize. Keep running. I'm all around your life.
And God says, I'm about to open brand new doors in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a big amen. All right, let's finish off. Just close your eyes. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this morning. We seal this word in people's hearts. Lord, we're called to be promised land Christians, not wilderness wanderers. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, you've unlocked a Caleb spirit in a new way in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, God. Amen. Awesome. All right.